The DI Guys Podcast was created to share the best ideas, strategies, and concepts so you can have conversations to help you exponentially grow your DI sales. While they may have lost their hair, they have not lost their minds. Here are the DI Guys, Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdo. This is Chris Carlson, and welcome to this edition of the DI Guys podcast. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Mike Cago. Mike, what's happening in Denver today? Chris, good morning. Everything is good, and nice to hear from you. After the successful summit we had a couple of weeks back, things are back to normal. It looks like uh, some of our restaurants are open. The weather, 85 and sunny in Colorado. It looks like we're in for a gorgeous weekend. So I'm really excited about the summer. It's a little bit changed for us have to apply to go to our swimming pool. But other than that, we'll take the sunshine and just enjoy what we have. So with that, let's get this thing rolling this morning. Well, Mike, we're really honored to have a special guest with us today, uh, Peter Eskra from DI Broker. And before I kind of turn it over to you to ask Peter some questions, I want to tell a story that I think is very apropos about how we got to this point right here today with this podcast. Back in early 1984, which is before some of our listeners were even born, I interviewed with Rick Marsnack and Peter's dad, Mike Eskra, the late great Mike Eskra, for a position as a, as a consultant with Provident Life and Accident. Uh, Mike had the largest office uh, in Miami, and so he uh, interviewed several people, and he needed somebody right away, and I wasn't getting out of the Army quite fast enough for him to hire. And Peter, you'll remember this name. He hired Mark Lukasik the same time that Rick Marsnack hired myself. So Mark went to Miami. I went to Seattle. And Mike, I think some of our listeners know that I was there for a few years and, and got promoted and you were the person who came in behind me. So I like to tell the story that it had, had it not been for me having an interview with Rick Marsnack, there would have been no Chris Carlson, no Alan Ross, no Mike Cogdell, and gosh darn, we wouldn't have been having this podcast today. So it's amazing how small things really have ripple effects for long term. Yeah, and extremely long term. Um, thanks, Chris. And you're, you're absolutely correct. Peter and I go back, I don't know, maybe over 25 years now. I, I, I met Peter actually through, through his father, Mike. Um, when I was a Provident consultant, we kind of moved forward, known the whole family for, gosh, like I said, over 25 years. We travel together. We do things together. We've done business together for years and years and years. I'm currently, as most people know, associated with Pete. He was kind enough to allow me to do some work with him when I decided to retire from the principal. Just an outstanding young man. I like to say young man for everybody. And we have spent numerous times, hours and hours upon hours, talking about nothing more than what we do for a living, and that's disability insurance. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Peter Esker this morning, ask him a very simple question, and then we'll just kind of banter back and forth for a few minutes about what we all have a great passion for, at least the three of us on this podcast this morning, and that's individual disability insurance and the sales thereof. So Peter, please tell me how you got started in the business, how long you've been in the business, and just generally where you see the business going from here right now. And we can just have a good conversation for a few minutes. Good morning, guys, and thank you for the opportunity to be on your podcast. So where where it all started. I've been in the insurance business 30 years. I've been in the DI business specifically 25 years. I started on the property casualty side and then made a move after five years to Paul Revere in South Florida, working out of the Fort Lauderdale office for a man named Michael Plax, who 
oddly enough, was my father's uh, competitor. My father was a provident in life and accident guy who a lot of people who are in the DI business would know had a, an interesting separation from them and a cons- consequently a lawsuit that shook up the industry for sure. Anyway, long story short, I was with Paul Revere probably nine months before they decided they were going to shut the Florida operations down, which ended on a, a Monday uh, with home office people in our office to indicate what our severance packages were going to be. And they were obviously based on time served. So mine was <laughs> insignificant to say the least. So I, I did not know what to do. I didn't want to go home. I had a wife who had moved out of her townhouse to rent it because we were going to move from Miami to Fort Lauderdale. I had a baby who was six months old uh, and I just didn't know how to go home and tell them that I was now unemployed. I had never had a situation where I, I had ever been fired. I had never felt that feeling, that empty feeling of not having a way of providing for my family. It just it never existed in my world. Anyway, so in lieu of going home and seeing my wife and giving them the bad news, I decided to go say goodbye to my clients and clients people that I had known for nine months, the people that I was trying to build relationships with. And I, and I visited the New York Life shop that was blocks from my office. And I went into the guy at that time who had been my largest producer, Frank Dolph, and basically indicated to him that I was gone and that uh, the office was closing and that he would be serviced out of another area. And he asked me at that point, well, what do I do with my disability business? And at the time, my father was in a lawsuit with Provident over the way they terminated his contract. And he had started a little life brokerage operation and had a couple of companies that had disability insurance products available. So I said to him, I said, you know, he's, he hasn't really done a lot of disability lately, but he knows it as well as anybody in the world. Uh, just call him and I'm sure he'll be able to take care of you. He at the time had a real market problem in the state of Florida. Provident was not issuing anything and didn't have any offices open. Now, Paul Revere, the second biggest office, was closing. So the companies were were shrinking. Markets were shrinking. Offices were closing. Uh, claims were through the roof. Products were changing, becoming way more restrictive. Frank looked at me and said, well, why don't you just go work for your dad and I'll give you my business? And I, for a moment, had a glimpse of hope, but then thought to myself, wow, that's, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, a monumental task to take on. Sounds By the like time I visited the business, Peter, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> back then it was a scary time. I, Boy, I don't know. I would, I mean, everybody's yeah. closing, claims are out of the roof, right. companies aren't right. paying any money. So this may be the perfect thing for me. Right. I guess I look at it through two glasses, right? I have the one where I look at it from a perspective of where we are now and, and how we got here. Uh, as well as where we were then and where we were then, you know, at, at 25 years old, you know, I didn't know any better. Uh, I, 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 I had optimism, uh, that, that somehow it would find a way to turn itself around. By the time I visited my third agent that day, I had three people tell me the exact same thing, which was go to work for your dad and I'll give you my business. And so I went home excited thinking, okay, I, I, I at least think I have the next step in line. And I went to my father who again was unemployed and barely getting by on what he was doing from the brokerage standpoint. Uh, and his answer was absolutely no, I can't pay you. We don't have money for it. And I said, well, I'll, I'll work on straight commission. And he said no again. 
But the next day I got up in the morning, I had nowhere to go. <laughs> so I asked him, can I come to the office? I'll run quotes. I'll deliver proposals because back then that's what we did. We didn't have email, right? You guys remember the days of the kits? You made oh, the course. kits. You ran the proposals. Then you, you took a stack of eight or 10 and you went and you delivered them. I mean, that's, that was for somebody who's only been in the business five or 10 years. That, that was our world back then. Faxing was was something that you did on occasion if somebody needed it immediately, but more likely it was overnighted, it was mail, or it was delivered. So I went in the office, and that's kind of how we got started. The guys who told me, go to work for your dad and I'll give you the business, Vic Miranda, Frank Dolph, John Duda, three that come to mind, they were true to their word. They not only gave me what they were selling, but they put a heavier emphasis on selling it. They, they were doing a better job. I, I want to say I want to take credit because of the relationship I had with them, but for whatever reason, they decided to make it a bigger focus in their, in their, in their operation, in their daily business activities. And they became my bigger producers and they became the foundation for what is now the iBroker East. So I, to those guys, I, I am indebted forever. And from there, we added a staff person and then we added a salesperson and then we added my brother, and then we added more staff and more sales. And we constantly plowed as much of the money that we were making back into the business. You know, my tax return for that first year, I think I made $6,500. I was living at home. My wife, my kid, it was, it was lean times. But oddly enough, I, I still look back at it with fond memories because it's the foundation of, of the organization that I have now. It now employs over 24 people and has 10 salespeople in the street on top of the 24 that are in the office supporting them. We lead a few of the companies nationally from an independent disability brokerage standpoint and honestly have built a family, a family of salespeople and a family of people who work in the office and support them. And, uh, you know, when the pandemic hit, you know, we just, we had a meeting immediately and said, look, there is another side to this and we're going to come out stronger in, in the end when this is over. And I believe that that's happening now. My staff has been absolutely phenomenal. They care. They want the business to succeed. And for that, we have tried to treat them as well as we possibly could. But that's, that's kind of my story. Very proud of the people I work with. Very proud of the people who work for us and very, very proud of the business that, that, that is built up around us. So Peter, not to pry, but I think it's fair to say, and please, you can answer this fairly succinctly, but that in the beginning, hard work and disability insurance and the efforts put in do pay dividends in the future because I got to believe that your gross revenue is a little more than $6,500 a year now. Not to ask you what it is. I would just say it's a fair guess that it's a little more than $6,500 a year now because of the hard work and perseverance that you put into this particular product. line. Yeah. I mean, our overall corporate revenue is over $8 million. So yes, it's a very successful business and we all do very well from it. Hard, you know, it's funny. Everything that my father told me in terms of how to do it back then is exactly how we try to do it today. And that was, you see a lot of people, you talk to a lot of people, you keep it in front of them, and 
it's a, it's a, it's a numbers game, right? The, the more people you see, the more people you stay in front of, the more likely they are to sell. And so we've always tried to build, even in the midst of changing distribution where we have online guys and we have people who chase physicians and they don't see anybody and they do it all online, but we're, we've always been a very high touch organization. So our salespeople have always been the kind that try to develop personal relationships with the, with the, the agents that they work with. We try uh, to be useful always by not just visiting them, but rather giving them something useful every time we come by, uh, trying to reinvent, you know, what seems like the same simple product, but try to be as creative as we can so that every time that we do visit somebody or talk to somebody that we give them something that maybe re, re you know, reintroduces it to, to an old concept that they might've used when they first got started, or maybe it was just to build on a, an idea that they use every day, but it was always trying to be, you know, as active in, in seeing those people and as active in always trying to educate them and give them another tool to use. Peter, going forward, because you know what, you, you just really summed it up, and, and, and Chris and I laugh about this, and, and you just reiterated that sometimes job A, job B still works. But going forward, if you have the crystal ball, and we laugh about the crystal ball all the time, because now I think we all realize that everybody knows that you don't have the crystal ball. That being said, I mean, I've said this 50 times on January 1st, down in Cabo San Lucas, hanging out with my family. If you would have told me I was going to be locked in my house on the 21st of March by the governor of the state of Colorado, I would have bet you all the money I had that you were wrong. But if you had the crystal ball from an industry perspective, going forward, your thoughts on what you would like to see, whether it's product, distribution, a combination of both, just for a couple of minutes here on what you think it looks like going forward, I know you already know the future is bright and feel that way, but what would you like to see? Just please share with the audience. I really believe that prior, I mean, I feel like the world is going to be just like it was pre-9-11 and post-9-11. I think we're going to say pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19, but I, I'm with you, Mike. I, I think there is going to be a, a brighter side to it, and it, 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 I think it's going to touch all aspects of the product in, in its sale, its distribution. And it's underwriting and it's management and administration. I can tell you that when we first got shuttered and we weren't allowed in the office, you know, you scrambled to get everything set up. To my brother's credit, he had seen it coming. I'm not sure how, but we had already been four to six weeks in advance testing remote working for everybody in the office had done it except for myself, who was still in the dark ages, not, not, not paying attention, I guess. But anyway, long story short, when we got shuttered and we had to change everything to my home address, which I don't know how I got elected, but I got elected to be the most <laughs> overpaid milk clerk in the whole United States. I was getting policies, having status sent to me, and immediately calling the carriers and saying, why aren't you not emailing this to me, right? Why, 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 why can't we have a system that uh, eliminates paper, that is electronic, that is you know, easier to, to use. And to the company's credit, they started to make those changes. They were forced to, right? Because the system wasn't working the way that it was. So here we are three months later, and I can tell you that our mail has been reduced by, I'd say, 75, 80%. There's still some things that they can't seem to, to shake out. 
but most of all of our policies now get emailed and and whereas we used to get a FedEx every day uh, so some of those things are very positive and there's no question that when you have something that is health related it makes everybody think to themselves for a minute that they're they're you know they're not invincible so from that perspective I think it does make people sit back and think about how important it is to protect their paycheck is provided they still have one right now but I think it, it, it gives everybody that sense that, you know, I want to have some kind of protection, right? I wear a mask when I go into a store. I want to have a policy that's going to cover me in the event that I get sick. So I think it's heightened the consumer's awareness towards the product. Certainly, it's when it's made, uh, you know, when, when you remind the agents of, look, you know, how important is it right now to make sure you're talking about this? I think it's also important to remind producers who are doing wealth management, who are doing life insurance selling, financial planning, that this is a critical cog in, in that process. So I think that when we're done, we're going to have a system where we used to not get any of the resources, right? Because it always went to the life insurance of the carriers. It always went to group sales, where we were always a smaller part. That technology never seemed to trickle down to us, but it's starting to. The companies are now realizing that they need e-delivery. They need to electronically send policies. So it's pulling us into the 21st century from a technology standpoint. At the same time, you know, the basic reasons that we do what we do to protect people's income, it, it's on everybody's forefront. And now it's just a matter of getting those agents that are presenting it to have conviction. And to me, that's always been the most important thing. Not how much you know about a product. It's not whether you use job A, job B, or half a health insurance plan, or whatever the gimmick was you used to present it. It was having a person that you sat across from understand that you know the importance of what it is you're presenting. And that is something all good salespeople have. That is something that is impossible to not catch when somebody has true belief in what they do. And I think that's in part why we've been successful is we believe in this knowledge. Peter, I absolutely know that you believe in, in this product and what you just said couldn't be farther from the truth. And that's what we always tell people. It goes back to if you don't own it yourself, you'll never sell it. If you believe, other people will. And with that Peter, I'd love to thank you so much for participating this morning in the DI Guys podcast. Um, you're probably going to go head off to the Keys and go fishing or something wonderful this weekend. And I wish you all the best, you and your family, and look forward to seeing you at some point this summer. Chris, I'll turn it back to you. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. Yeah, Peter, I just echo those comments. Great, great uh, insights. And you, you touched on so many things, and I hope we can have you back again because – we can take some deep dive into some of the things that you talked about. So again, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me.